Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Title of the series that I'm going to do through this month is A Disciplined Race. Is that what I said to you, Josh? Okay, cool. I knew it was something like that. <laughs> We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 12. Of course, Hebrews chapter 12 comes on the heels of Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, the, the hall, what we call the hall of fame of faith. And uh, I believe that the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. Uh, there's a lot of debate about things. What boils it down for me is, is basically Galatians and Hebrews are almost identical. Um, I believe actually Paul wrote it kind of as a ghostwriter because it was to the Jews. And he knew that the religious Jews wouldn't receive from him. And so, um, and then the other thing is, so he wrote it incognito, but then the other thing is, is that Brother Hagin asked the Lord in a vision, and the Lord told him Paul wrote it. So that was good enough for me. So, <laughs> he never lied to us at any point that I'm aware of, so, uh, you know, not intentionally anyway. So, uh, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 12 and look at, at uh, how to run a race, and we're also going to look at the discipline of the Lord. The discipline of the Lord. Now, I'm not talking about the wrath of the Lord, and I'm not talking about the judgment of the Lord. I'm talking about the discipline of the Lord, uh, which Hebrews 12 talks about the fact that um, God disciplines us like a father does a child, a good father. So, And uh, we're also going to look at the fact that discipline is good because it means you're not illegitimate as a child. Amen. So uh, that was something that really set me free uh, years ago that when I saw that verse. If, if the Lord's disciplining me or correcting me, um, then, then I know I'm his. And I know he loves me and cares for me uh, because he doesn't want me to fail. We were just in Dickinson, uh, North Dakota, and we were at some RMAI meetings. And uh, they were really good. And Tim Davidson preached uh, one of the messages or one of the services, and he shared on principles, uh, what was it, water walking? Principles about walking on the water or something like that. And uh, he, of course, went to Peter, you know, he's the only one we have recorded outside of Jesus, and we're not really teaching on what Jesus did wrong, because he never did anything wrong, right? Peter's, Peter obviously was sinking, but uh, one of the things he brought out was because... Uh, uh, the disciples in the boat, even though they didn't, get, uh, they didn't get corrected, they didn't walk on the water either. Peter, who walked on the water, got corrected. And one of the things he said is, is that God does not rebuke land lovers. And people, in, 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 you know, it, uh, initially or naturally, you kind of go, okay, good, I'll stay on the land. But that's actually opposite of what the point was. The point was is you want to be corrected. If you're being corrected, it means you're doing something, which is a good thing, not a bad thing. So when Jesus said, why did you doubt or why did you, you know, he wasn't saying, don't ever walk on the water again, Peter. He was saying, next time you won't sink if you heed this correction, right? And so... We're going to see through Hebrews 12 that, um, uh, and you guys, if you, you are all familiar with Hebrews 11, how many notice that in Hebrews 11, every one of those heroes of faith made mistakes? 
So mistakes are not the problem. Not being correctable, that's the problem. So um, I like to think about it like this. Uh, if you, if, if it were possible for you to live a life without mistakes, Jesus never would have had to come. Now, I'm not saying that as, you know, you should try to see how many you, should, you can make. Okay, this is where Romans 6 comes in, right? Where Paul told uh, the Romans, they said, well, does that mean we can sin? You know, because he was preaching grace to them. And he said, God forbid. It's like the, it's one of the strongest statements in the, in the Greek. It's like, absolutely not. But if you do sin, 1 John 1, 9. Right? So I'm going to say this not as a prophetic declaration. I'm not using my words to try and curse you or anything like that. But because you do live in a fallen world, you have an unrenewed mind in areas and you have your flesh to contend with. Um, you're going to do things that are not intentional sins. Sometimes people do things, they get under pressure, they get under all sorts of things. And I'm not saying they should, I'm just saying it happens. I believe this is one of the reasons why Paul and the other apostles in the epistles wrote so much about brotherly kindness and love. Paul was not giving an excuse or the other apostles giving excuse to the mistakes of others. He's saying realize where you are, what's going on, and give mercy and grace because... You're in a race with, the, and you want your brothers and sisters to succeed just as much as you do. Because whatever you sow, you are going to harvest. So if you sow harshness, you get it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying that's God in heaven going, <laughs> I'm going to give them a bunch of harshness. It has nothing to do with God has to do with where we live and the reality of this world has seed time and harvest. Amen? God, you can sin and God will let you come right to the throne. It's wide open to you. You know, people think, well, I sinned. I can't go to the throne. That's the time you need to go to the throne. Not to mention it doesn't work theologically because how good were you when you came to the throne? To receive salvation. What did you do to earn or to stand before God and you, you bring all your good works and God looks at him and goes, filthy rags, filthy rags, filthy rags. I love you, but this is trash. And then when Jesus presented himself, he goes, perfect, spotless. So that's where we step up through Jesus. And he looks at you and says, perfect, spotless, you're clean. No sin in you at all. Ah, did you hear that? I was going along, it was amen, amen, amen. And I said, no sin in you at all. And everybody went, amen. <laughs> yeah, I did kick a cow. I think we'll slaughter that cow and have some hamburgers this morning. <laughs> Listen, if Jesus' blood didn't cleanse you, you're not righteous. 
This is not God. I'll put it to you like this. The law is so amazing and it is so good at condemning you that if you make a 99 out of 100, you're guilty of hell. This is not 50% me, 75% Jesus, and 25% me. It's all Jesus. Top to bottom. Front to back. The only way I'm one with God is through the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It is the only way. It isn't by my works. People say, well, I sinned and I distanced myself from God. In your mind you did. And by your works. But in God's mind. Because he's not relating to you based on your performance. He's relating to you based on Jesus' performance. And last I checked, it was 100%. He's not healing you based on your performance. He's not giving you love based on your... He's not loving you based on your performance. You could not do your devotion for a week and God's love will not diminish for you at all. Now your perception and reception of it and the reality of it will diminish because why? This earth has that way. It just beats the snot out of us. Amen? But Jesus was perfect. God doesn't need another sacrifice. Some of you are liking this. I love this teaching. On grace, I'm thoroughly aware of how many times I miss it. You're not being prospered on your amazing skills. People are like, well, I can... You know, you can run a calculator, good. But when you get over into, when you get over into uh, Jesus was made poor, that through his poverty you might be made rich, it's different. The calculator can't even handle what Jesus can do and has done. So grace is that way. We're, we're saved by grace through faith. But grace and salvation, as far as salvation is concerned, and grace as we understand it, it's not a one-time moment where you gave your heart to Jesus and it isn't limited to when I leave my body, I go right to heaven. That's a part of it. But it's not limited to that. Okay? Grace is every promise written in the scripture to you. Every area... A word from the scripture hits an area of your life. That's grace there. And it's not God has to come up with it. He already came up with it. You know, I've heard people say, and I understand what they're saying, and I agree with the statement. You know, people say, if you did, if there was a need that did come up in your life where God had to make something to meet that need, he would. And they're, they're talking about God's nature and his heart. But God already in his pre-knowing provided everything you don't have a need that he didn't know about and provide for even if the enemy's been wreaking havoc in your life for years in one area the answer is still there and God is not withholding it it's not his nature he's a fixer 
God had the man's healing at the pool of Bethesda available long before he was ever crippled. <laughs> People say, well, I've, been, I've had this problem for 15 years. Hallelujah. There's been an answer for 15 years. You know, the man at the pool of Bethesda was 38 years, right? Is that what it was? 38 years. 38 years without walking. And then changes just like that. And that's who we serve. He's that way. And he's a God who wants us to run our race well. And so when we're going through this and we talk about discipline and we talk about the different verses that we're going to look at, do not think in terms of, I have to do these things to earn God's care and love for me. When it comes to actually doing the word, we're not earning anything. We're living from something that's been provided, okay? Because that's how grace operates. Grace is unearned, 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 unearned. I need an old record player. You know, you can't skip an MP3, can you? It doesn't matter how hard the... Remember CD players in our cars? Wow. And you had to get the anti-skip one? Or buy like some bass for... Uh, I'm, the young people are going, what are you talking about? <laughs> Unearned blessing, favor from God. You do not earn it. Do you know there's absolutely no depression in you at all? None. There, listen to me. There is no sickness in you at all. Now people go, oh, uh, uh, no, I know. Uh, I know. Uh, uh, you know? That's because you identify with your, instead of who you are, a spirit. Jesus has no sickness in him. You have no sickness in you. You say, then what's the problem? This has to get lined up with this so that this can get lined up with this. <laughs> right? So we don't have, there's no, there's no unforgiveness in me. Unless there's unforgiveness in Jesus. Now, people say that and they go, yeah, but I know, well, I could have unforgiveness here or in my soul, but it ain't in Jesus. Jesus isn't even upset. He, you know, Jesus actually practices 1 Corinthians 13. <laughs> yeah, I heard a praise God back there. It's a good thing. He doesn't take account of a wrong suffered. Wow. And we are graced to live that way. People say, well, I'm not living that way. It's a good thing Jesus is. Because you'd never get out if he wasn't. But you can get out. And I'm not talking about in your spirit, but in your daily living. Because he got out. Well, I don't feel it. Well, you're not a feeler. You're a faither. You walk and live by faith. You don't walk and live by feeling. Come on. So... As we're going through this, and you think about discipline, and we're going to get, it, I'm going to repeat these thoughts, but I want to just get your mind going in the right direction. Otherwise, the enemy will beat you up with this because he's a great, he's great at condemning. 
Okay? So just remember this. God is not relating to you based on your performance. Based on whether you read the proper amount of chapters, whether you prayed the proper amount of hours, he's not even thinking about it. The only way he would think about those things is in terms of, he would say, if you do this, you won't struggle here like you are. It wouldn't be, if you do this, then I'll let you be my friend. No, no. You're already in. You're already in because Jesus is in. Amen. This is why I don't like the term lose your salvation. Like you wake up one day and, oh, it's gone. Where'd it go? But people believe that and they do that because they live by their feelings. So when they're in a good service and the feeling is high, God must really love me. I'm in faith. I'm in. No, that's not faith. That's feeling. Faith has nothing to do with how you feel. It'll change how you feel. But your faith, there's nothing in Scripture that talks about how faith is generated by feeling. It's not. Amen? Faith is generated by truth. I mean, truth can hurt your feelings, <laughs> you know? So we can't go by feeling. So as we're looking at these and thinking about these things, when you think of discipline... Think of a professional trainer and an athlete. Do not think of sickness. Do not think of beating. Do not think of God in heaven going, I can't stand those. I just got to discipline them. No. Don't think of rage. Don't think of anger. Don't think of wrath. Don't think of any of that stuff. Don't think of judgment. Don't think of any of those things. Think of a professional athlete, which is what you are. I'm talking about in the spirit. I know I'm not in the flesh. I get it. Okay? In the spirit. And think of a personal trainer. Let me ask you something. Is a personal trainer... Can they cause a little bit of pain to a body? But do they cause harm? How many know a spanking your kid can cause a little bit of pain, but it should never cause harm? There's a difference. Discipline is different. God's discipline is designed for instruction and growth, not for destruction and moving you back in the sense of declining you. God is not looking to ruin us. He's a healer. Amen? All right. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight... And the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let me read this to you in, some, in, in other translations here. Seeing that we are encircled by such a large number of witnesses. Now, we'll get into this, but what he's referencing is Hebrews chapter 11. Remember, you read all the witnesses. You read all the testimonies of the faith people. So that's what he's referencing. You're encircled by these people. Now, this is a great statement. Just by the nature of the fact that the scripture is including you in with the heroes. I'm talking about you. 
I'm not talking about the famous preacher you know today. I'm talking about you are in that chapter. You have that potential. This was written to tell us, look, don't think of yourself as just, uh, I'll never be in that, that chapter. I remember we were down at Rama, and I worked with a guy at El Chico, and I can't remember his name, but he loved the Lord. He was a, a Mexican guy. He loved the Lord so much. I mean, everything he did, he tried to preach. You know, I mean, he'd figure out a way to deliver food and the gospel all at once. So everything he did, and he wanted to talk about the, he wanted to talk about the word all the time, which was great because I don't mind. And uh, he, he, would, uh, uh, he would talk about the word. And he, one day he came to work and he said, he said, he said, I've been reading Hebrews chapter 11. And he looked at me and said, can't you see us in there? He said, don't you see yourself in there? And I don't remember what my response was. I'm sure it was, yeah. I don't know if I really did or not. But I mean, you want to agree if it's a good thing, right? I can change my thinking. I can change my mind about what I actually saw about myself. But that's what we need to see. See ourselves there. Running a good race. So see that we are encir- seeing that we are encircled by such a large number of witnesses. Let us put off every impediment. And the sin that can easily tie us up. It's not God tying you up. You can be tied up in sin and God will go, I can get you loose out of that if you want. No, no, Lord, I, I'll take care of this. I, I got this, I got this. I'll just, you know, I'll do, I'll do some things. I'll take care of it. And he'll just leave you tied there. He won't leave you. He'll leave you tied there. Until you say, yeah, could you untie this? And he'll go, okay, this is what you need to do. And you go, oh, I don't know if I want to do it that way. Okay, you could just stay tied there. Am I the only one that deals with this? <laughs> it's like, you know, but I don't know where Kathy is, but Kathy sent me this picture on uh, Facebook. Oh, there you are. Okay. <clears throat> I know your stuff and your husband's right here, but you're way right here. <laughs> so she sent me this thing that it shows this little guy with a wand. It says... Uh, saying, like, come out, spirit of stupid. <laughs> you know, it's just like... And really, that's the truth. We need transformation in our thinking. So, the sin that cleverly... I like this translation. The sin that cleverly places itself in an entangling way around us. Let us run with endurance the course marked out for us. So let's break this down. Let's break it into sections. The first part here is since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. There is a vast host of of inspiring witnesses surrounding us. The word cloud is used metaphorically for a host of witnesses. Which refer back to the large number named and unnamed champions of faith in chapter 11. There are two different views on how we, how they are witnesses, but I believe both have relevance. So I'm going to give you two different views on how they're witnesses, okay? The first thought is that they are watching in heaven as spectators in a stadium. And the cheering, and cheering the present generation of Christian runners as they progress toward the goal. The second thought is that they are examples to the present generation about the possibilities of faith and endurance because of having successfully ran the race themselves before. So Leon Morris said this. He said, both ideas are present. 
Perhaps we should think of something like a relay race where those who have finished their course and handed in their baton are watching and encouraging the successors. Isn't that good? You know, because I've heard it said, and when I was studying this, you know, I have it in my mind because you hear a message and, or you're in a particular vein of churches and, and a particular denomination and they bring it up, repeat it, regurgitate the same thing over and over again. And not that, it is, that it's wrong because it's not. That the witnesses were standing and watching us. That our relatives that have gone on to heaven are looking over the banister of heaven and watching us. But then when I read this, I thought, Damn, that's good too. That they are a witness to what can happen. That they passed on this faith. They lived this way. Come on, you do this with your family. You're living a particular way out of the resurrection graces within you as an example, as a hero of faith. So that they'll pick up that same baton behind you. So that they'll do. Come on. Come on, we should tell our kids, do everything I did right and the rest just forget about it. <laughs> I tell my kids all the time, you'll get your own chance. <laughs> I was uh, over at uh, Pastor Gail in Penna's house yesterday. He's, uh, he was giving me some books. He wanted to give me some books from his library. And so uh, he gave me a whole box of books and uh, ministry stuff, you know. Some of these books are not even in print. I mean, it's awesome stuff. And so he wanted to give them to me. I said, yeah, I'll come over. And, and I was talking to uh, Penna as I was leaving, and we were talking about the kids. And, and she said, and I was talking about Kylie. And I was saying, you know, she's going to go to Karis and, and uh, go to school and wants to go to the, you know, worship third year. And, stuff. and she said, tell Kylie, guard that anointing. You know what that is? That's somebody who succeeded You guard that anointing. You protect it. Why? Because we know from previous runners that if you do, you'll have victories. And Jesus and God will get glory. Amen? So, there are three common attributes applied to these Old Testament heroes of faith. These are phenomenal. You're going to love these. They had all failed because they had a nature of the flesh like ours. There is not one hero of our faith outside of Jesus because he's going to get to this. We look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. See, we can gain encouragement from others, but ultimately we look unto the perfect one. They all had failures. So forget about your past, even if it was 10 minutes ago. I'm not saying you should go, oh, it's no big deal, you know, just whatever. You should talk to the Lord about it. But don't let, in fact, I, I'm going to go into a series on forgiveness after we get done with the, the one we're doing right now on Sunday mornings because in the main service. Because people don't forgive themselves. They don't. They let others hang things over them. And it's this weird, narcissistic, manipulative, Christian, religious demon. 
You say it is. Yeah, it is. They, they, you have spouses that bring up sins that were supposedly forgiven from 10 years ago. Well, you do this to me. You did it. You have not forgiven them. Amen. So they had failures, but those failures don't end us. Though a righteous man fall, right? People are like, oh, seven times. I only have seven chances. <laughs> Actually, I have 70 times seven, and that's in one day. And I bet you're not getting that done. Everybody in here. <laughs> but even at that, God's not relating to you based on your performance. He's relating to you based on Jesus' performance. Come on. I, just, I was reading this the other day. I've been going over redemption scriptures. Redemption scriptures. Redemption scriptures. You know, have you ever read Psalms 22? Psalms 22 is where Jesus and, and the Father are, are being separated because Jesus is paying for our sins, right? And it talks about the fact that he's, it states it in there that he was, he was put into hell. He was separated from God. God turned his face from him. And people go back, I was telling Heidi this, they go back and read it not understanding the context of the prophetic within that chapter. So they just identify with their current situations and get into a depression instead of into a victory like they should. Because they read it and go, oh, yes, everybody's turned away from me. God, please, you know. And they get into this, oh, woe is me. That's not the point of Psalms 22. The point is, is that Jesus was, God turned away from Jesus. Come on. Do you, hear me now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you. Is this help me so much? Do you know that God turned his face? Come on, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you? That's Psalms 22. Do you, and the Lord said to me, he said, the Holy Spirit spoke up to me. He said, the Father did. He said, I turned my face away from Jesus so I'd never have to turn it away from you. Come on. I'm in. And it isn't because of my works. It's because of Jesus. God never turns his face from me. Because he turned his face from Jesus. Come on, Peter said the just was crucified for the unjust. Isn't that wonderful? I like the race we're in. And it's easier when you know who you are and what you have and how established you are. And even though hell's going on around you, you're so stable on the inside of you that you just go, you can't separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, devil. You don't have the ability. You don't have the power. You don't have the legal right. I love this verse. I can't remember if you've quoted it, Mike, a few times or what. The, the, what was against me has been nailed to the cross. That means God's no longer against me. And he's not against you. At all. Come on, there's, the, we still struggle with this. 
And I'm, I'm with you. I get it. And it's not, because, it's not because it's not a reality. It's because it's not a renewal. I heard a minister say one time that they studied Romans for 15 years. And they, they, it started to break open bit by bit. I thought 15 years. And the Lord says, what else are you going to do for the next 15 years? Might as well study Romans. We're in a race. There were faith people before us. They had a nature like ours. Watch this. They did not let their failure stop them, so don't let it stop you. Instead, they reoriented to the grace of God, beginning with the confession of their sins. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to have public confession. I'm not talking about that. You know, some people are like, I gotta go tell everybody that I sinned against in order. No. Go talk to God. Well, the Bible says, confess your faults one to another. That's if you have a direct something with somebody. You know what I mean? It isn't, it isn't, I gotta go do testimony service is not an opportunity to get up and confess everything you've done wrong to everybody. Well, I just feel so bad. But what that's not a leading. <laughs> Okay, it's certainly a reason to go to the Father, but that's not the leading of the Holy Spirit to go post it on Facebook. <laughs> so they didn't let their failure stop them. So say it with me. I will not, I will not let, my failure let my failure stop me. Stop. Amen? They kept on, this is the last thing. They kept on moving without looking back. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. And then 1 John 1, 9. If you've been cleansed of all unrighteousness, now that's not talking about when you sin, you lose your righteousness. That's the cleansing that takes place in our mind, our thinking, and all of that. If you sin after you get saved, you do not lose your righteousness. If you sin after you get saved, you do not lose your righteousness. If you sin after you get saved, you do not lose your righteousness. If you could, then you could have earned your righteousness by doing good. But you can't. You can only earn it, earn it, it's a bad, receive it. By faith. Which means the openness and the flow of it is by faith as well. Do you know God doesn't stop loving you when you sin? He doesn't. Do you know why God provides 1 John 1 9? Because it affects me. And you, not because it affects him. God actually believes that Jesus did the work. We should try it out. <laughs> you know, people are like, well, uh, think about it like this. You, if you're struggling with the thought that you don't lose your righteousness when you sin, you've been religiously brainwashed for one. You haven't been New Testament taught. But go read Hebrews. There was one sacrifice 
If, if, if Jesus' work didn't work, if the cross didn't work, then he should be coming back again here to take care of the rest of the sins that it didn't cover, to die again. No, there was one. And that sacrifice cleansed the conscience of those who have received it. It actually cleansed the conscience of all the entire world. But those who receive it experience it and live it because you have to receive it. People say, oh, it sounds like you might be saying that everybody's saved. Oh, no. Everybody that receives the salvation is saved, but Jesus did save everybody. But you have to receive it. There's no way around it. Amen? So the point here is that we are to run the race to win. Every believer is to run in such a way that they will win. Believers like professional athletes are to live disciplined lives in order to complete, to complete successfully in their race. So the Christian runner lays aside everything that hinders running and avoids anything that might disqualify them from winning. Not disqualify. Now, I'm not talking about you're losing your salvation. I'm talking about you can win in this life or not, but you're already a winner. You just have to choose to win. Do you know the potential for a bodybuilder lies within me? I think it's funny too. It's all right. Some people think it's funnier than others. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <clears throat> it lies within every person. Because every person present here has the same muscles as all the bodybuilders on the... Now, I have no desire. None. 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 Not, not even a little. I don't... It, nothing intrigues me about that at all. <laughs> nothing. You know, I mean, I might have thought it would be cool at one time, but... Have you ever... No, I'm not going to go there. Okay, we got to move on. We got to move on. We got to move on. I can't... I can't... No, we're not going there. You're a winner, and the potential of, of walking as Christ walked is within you. Your mind must be renewed, and you need to get your mouth in line with, with the Spirit of God within you, and you've got it. Inside of you is all the patience you need, all the love you need, all the joy you need, all the self-control you need, all the gentleness you need, all the kindness you need, everything. All the patience, the endurance, it's all inside of you. You've got the same level of it that Jesus has right now. People say, well, I don't see it. I know, you've got to put it on. You've got to believe that you have it first. The testimony of the witnesses marshaled from the Old Testament assures all believers that it is possible to be justified by faith, gain a reputation for righteous living, endure suffering and death without seeing the promise completely fulfilled and accomplish great things for God. Since they did it, all believers can endure it, can endure it and do it. What did they prove? They proved that we could do it. What did Jesus prove? He proved that we could do it. Now, granted, by his power, by his grace. Because along with grace being unearned and undeserved, what else is it? It's empowerment. You have the empowerment to live a, a, a life as holy as Jesus. 
And just because you and I aren't living it at that level doesn't mean God's mad at us. He's just working with us to get us where we need to be. Will we yield? Will I yield? Or will I let, will, will I let my lack of getting to where I thought I should be at this point stop me in my growth process? Because of lack of forgiveness for myself when God is in heaven looking down at me going, I have all the love and forgiveness that I did when I sent Jesus and more wrapped into you right now. It'll help your faith to think that way. And sometimes you just got to go, I don't care what I feel, devil, up your nose with a rubber hose. <laughs> I heard that Jesse Duplantis say that. I thought that was kind of funny. Do you know a rubber hose, if you cut it just right, can be a good weapon? Anyway, all right, moving on. <laughs> uh, I'm saying to beat the devil with, not your neighbor. <laughs> all right, one quick thought here, and we'll wrap this up. Let us lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside every weight. Since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. The word here, and this isn't in this translation, but it says ensnares, that ensnares us. The word ensnares applies to weights and sins. This word uh, ensnares is later on in the verse, but it applies to weights and sins. The word ensnares carries the idea of skillfully surrounding in order to prevent or retard running. The word ensnares means to skillfully uh, surround in order to prevent or retard running. In other words, what is the enemy doing with sin? What is he doing with snares? What is he doing with weights and sins? Okay? We need to lay aside these weights. Why? So that God will love us more, so that he'll... No. Why? Because it impedes us from running. Why does God want me to live holy? Because it closes the door to the devil in my life. Not because it closes the door to God in my life. Come on, this takes mind renewal. Because some of you have such religious thinking in your head, and I do too. I was raised in it. I didn't even realize how much I had. It's like you go up there with a flashlight and goes, Who's, whose junk is this? Where did it come from? Why, why is there all this junk up here? You know, I'm talking about your thinking, you know, in the attic. You know, Who put this stuff up here? <laughs> you know? So... What does ensnaring do? It, the enemy is good at this. He tries to surround us and make us think there's nowhere to go when you're trying to run your race. He tries to entangle us. So the idea of weights and sins will prevail over our ability to run our race if we do not eliminate them out of our lives. The things that the Holy Spirit is referring to here are things that we have authority over. So keep that in mind. 
Do you have authority over somebody else's will? No, but you have authority over your own. And you can actually run your race when people hate you. Jesus did it. Come on, think about it. People sometimes say, well, you know, uh, this person left me or this person abandoned me or, you know, I was left by this person and left by that person. You know what I noticed about the life of the Apostle Paul? He had multiple people abandon him, but he, didn't, he never stopped. In fact, he declared in his own epistle, I've finished my course. So people is not the issue here necessarily. This is, it's personal. It's a personal trainer. So you can control you. If somebody starts trying to run into your lane, you can control you. You can't control them. Okay? And when it comes to sports, when you think of athletics, you can't control what the other person's going to do. You can only control your response. They're looking to impede you from scoring. The offense is trying to score, but the defense is out there to what? Impede. So what is the devil trying to do? He's trying to keep you from living out what he knows is the devil has greater revelation at times, I think, of what's in Christians than they do. And he causes one little hiccup in their life, and all of a sudden nothing can go forward anymore. Because they don't realize that the one within them has already conquered, talking about the believer, has already conquered everything the devil had. Amen? Or has. So here again, when it comes to studying this part of the verse, there are two different thoughts presented. And again, I see validity in both of them. And next week, we'll hit the second one. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.